Welcome to Talking in the Library. This is a different kind of episode. Normally, we offer this podcast over to our research fellows and scholars to share the fabulous research they're doing with our collections. Today, we're using it to provide another way for folks to experience our recent closing symposium for our Ghost River project. If you haven't heard of Ghost River, it was a graphic novel, public art exhibition, and teacher seminar that was supported by the Pew Center for Arts and Heritage. I wore a lot of hats in the course of this project. I started off as the creative director, later took the reins as project manager, served as the editor of the published volume and the curator of the exhibition. But one of the things that is so unique about this project is that it really required so many different stakeholders and advisors for it to be achieved in our two-year span. And our closing symposium is really intended to give voice to all of that different labor. Now, of course, we weren't able to do this in person the way that we had originally anticipated. But I think that the webinar is useful in the sense that it created space for us to even allow Anne McShane and Nicole Scalessa to talk about their digital edition, which I think now is more crucial than ever before. Now, I encourage you to go to YouTube to listen to the complete webinar. Deja Brock has edited it into three sections, all of which are freely available now. But this podcast is really about some of the highlights. And so we have a highlight from each one of the panels. To start us off, I'd like to begin with Curtis Zuniga. He is the co-director of the Lenape Center and our elder from the Delaware Tribe of Indians. And he began our day with a prayer. Here is Joy Harjo for calling the spirit back from wandering the earth in its human feet. For all of you who are on this um, webinar, good morning from Oklahoma. My name is Curtis Zuniga. I am an enrolled member of the Delaware Tribe of Indians. That's our modern name for who we are known as the Lenape. Uh, and the Lenape, our original homeland, included the area that's now Philadelphia. So I'm honored to be a part of this project. I'm honored to be part of this webinar to open up. I uh, just wanted to say real quick that when I went out for my morning prayers this morning and offered tobacco, I prayed for the creator to guide me to say the right thing during this webinar, especially an opening prayer. I used the word in our language called Weechamen, which was help me. But as I got through my prayer, I started using the term Weechamenen, which is help us. My prayer was to help everyone through this extraordinary time. Soon I was given an inspiration to read a poem and I consulted with the poem's author this morning, I was texting her. <coughs> Her name is Joy Harjo. She's Muskogee Creek, and she is the current U.S. Poet Laureate for the United States. So I found a poem that I was really inspired by, and I'm going to read it to serve as an opening prayer. This is called, For Calling the Spirit Back from Wandering the Earth in Its Human Feet. Put down that bag of potato chips, that white bread, that bottle of pop. 
Turn off the cell phone, the computer, and remote control. Open the door, then close it behind you. Take a breath offered by friendly winds. They traveled the earth gathering essences of plants to clean. Give it back with gratitude. If you sing, it will give your spirit lift to fly to the star's ears and back. Acknowledge this earth who has cared for you since you were a dream planting itself precisely within your parents' desire. Let your moccasin feet take you to the encampment of the guardians who have known you before time, who will be there after time. They sit before the fire that has been there without time. Let the earth stabilize your post-colonial insecure jitters. Be respectful of the small insects, birds, and animal people who accompany you. Ask their forgiveness for the harm we humans have brought down upon them. Don't worry, the heart knows the way. Though there may be high rises, interstates, checkpoints, armed soldiers, massacres, wars, and those who will despise you because they despise themselves. The journey might take you a few hours, a day, a year, a few years, a hundred, a thousand, or even more. Watch your mind. Without training, it might run away and leave your heart for the immense human feast by the thieves of time. Do not hold regrets. When you find your way to the circle, to the fire kept burning by the keepers of your soul, you will be welcomed. You must clean yourself with cedar, sage, or other healing plant. Cut the ties you have to failure and shame. Let go the pain you are holding in your mind, your shoulders, your heart, all the way to your feet. Let go the pain of your ancestors to make way for those who are heading in our direction. Ask for forgiveness. Call upon the help of those who love you. These helpers take many forms, animal, element, bird, angel, saint, stone, or ancestor. Call your spirit back. It may be caught in corners and creases of shame, judgment, and human abuse. You must call in a way that your spirit will want to return. Speak to it as you would to a beloved child. Welcome your spirit back from its wandering. It may return to, in pieces, in tatters. Gather them together. They will be happy to be found after being lost for so long. Your spirit will need to sleep a while after it is bathed and given clean clothes. Now you can have the party. Invite everyone you know who loves and supports you. Keep room for those who have no place else to go. Make a giveaway and remember, keep the speeches short. Then you must do this. Help the next person find their way through the dark. We started our day with a conversation with three of our advisors. First, you'll hear from Ron Nash, Senior Education Fellow at the Gilder Lerman Institute of American History. 
Then you'll hear from Curtis Zinnica, co-director of the Lenape Center and elder from the Delaware Tribe of Indians. And finally, you'll hear from Daniel Richter, director of the McNeil Center for Early American Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. It's unfortunate that we don't have the full team here, but I'm glad that we have the team that we do. And uh, given that we're all sort of reconvened, I'm curious to know if anything sort of jumps out at you from that original um, set of site visits that we did, that original meeting. You know, obviously that, that was a very powerful day. Uh, and, and well, two days, you know, first in the library company to, to get to know everybody and to be able to, you know, begin to address some of the issues uh, surrounding the project. But then going out, you know, to Lancaster, I mean, meeting the Circle Legacy folks, you know, as I mentioned, walking the landscape is so important. You know, when you when you talk about something, you know, or you read about something in a textbook, you know, if you don't walk the land, you don't really understand, you know, a lot of things. And that that was so powerful in terms of, you know, being able able to, to really understand, you know, the nature of what happened on those two days in, in 1763 and all the other events surrounding it. So, I mean, it was, you know, you can tell from my, uh, my expression here, it, it just, it, it left me with an indelible, you know, type of, of uh, you know, positive response, you know, that this is very powerful. The, the graphic novel, obviously, you know, was going to be able to be important, uh, you know, to, to have you know, readers digest that, take a look at some of the other things that are part of that story. And then, you know, like I said, the, just the asking and, and drilling down of other additional questions is, is very important. I think that's happening across the country. As you mentioned, you know, uh, I, I think we, you know, were able to distribute, I don't know, 70 books at the, uh, at the uh, NCSS conference. Uh, I know I gave away another 65 uh, at the uh, at the California Council, uh, so anyway, you know that, that and and it and it got uh, you know tremendous uh, receptivity, you know, by the uh, by all the teachers, you know, like I said, very emotional, uh, and and even though it's it's an East Coast story, you know, if I you know like geographically suggest that, but you know, a lot of the California teachers said, no, this is a direct connection to the things that we're doing. And that we're mandated to do in terms of Native American history in California, so that they saw that there's an easy way to, you know, to make those connections with their students. So, Ron, Ron stated it so eloquently when he talked about the importance of going out to Lancaster, to going out to the land and walk the land and get a feel for the land. Again, these themes were brought out in in the poem that I read when we started, uh, but to look at um, a, a monument with a placard that talked about the Conestoga people who were massacred to, um, to get a feel for the lay of the land um, and to walk over and see that reconstructed longhouse mm -hmm. to understand how people lived back then and why the land was so important to them. Uh, that was an extremely important uh, part of our initial gathering. And yes, the Circle Legacy people were so welcoming and so generous and uh, so gracious that um, I, was, I was quite happy that we got it set up. They were enthusiastic and they helped uh, bring the uh, content uh, more into focus. Uh, so, uh, yes, let's not forget them, and, and also I hope that uh, we can post a, 
a link somewhere to their website and let uh, all of the participants and all of the, uh, you know, all the people involved in this webinar that they know that this organization exists and they might uh, continue to learn more about what they're doing and how uh, it applies to the history of Pennsylvania today. Uh, I was not able to um, join the group when they went out to Lancaster a couple of years ago, but I have trod that ground. And, I, and the first time I met um, folks from Circle Legacy was at a conference that the McNeil Center sponsored uh, back in 2013 on the, uh, really the 250th anniversary of all these events, which involved both the Conestoga Massacre, uh, the war called Pontiac's or Pontiac's War, the massive independence movement by native peoples that was going on at this time and which was absolutely crucial to the context of what happened at Conestoga. Uh, the Paxton Boys is a political movement. Uh, we, uh, one of the most moving parts of that was that we not only went to the Longhouse and had a, a little ceremony there, but the closing sessions of the academic conference were held at the theater in Lancaster, which is virtually on the site of where the second Conestoga massacre happened at the jailhouse. And it was a, I think the importance of being there and being on that scene is really, was really crucial from my understanding. And um, again, I, I regret not having joined this group as it went back to that territory a, a few years later. For our creative panel, I was joined by author, Dr. Lee Francis IV of the Laguna Pueblo and artist Weshoyo Alvitre of the Tongva. We were joined by a terrific moderator, Bill Adair, former director of exhibitions and public interpretation at the Pew Center for Arts and Heritage. So can you can the three of you talk a little bit more about then how um, how you began to build trust together in order to take the next steps to turn this from you know, Will's fantasy project into something that became more concrete? I mean, I'll say the first part was was for me was that, you know, obviously the commitment from Will and we show you and I had already worked together so that we had a, a really good you know, bond already around like stylistically and, and there is a, a, you know, creatively there is an interchange between, you know, writer, illustrator. And I think that's that we had established very early on. There was stuff I was like, Hey, I wrote a scene and she fixed it and made it look better. Cause that's not quite what I had in my brain, but it looks so much better. You know, I, I had a whole different concept or like I had a different concept, but once it came to the page, it was and that I'm mean, like, when you get a genius illustrator, that's the brilliance, right? Like you you get that amazing synthesis. So, so I think we kind of had that. And then, you know, because we'd worked together, it was really exciting to be able to work on this another, this next project. So there was already some excitement. And then, you know, Will's commitment to doing this in a way that I had never experienced before, um, you know, in terms of like a group that's bringing in, he's like, Hey man, we're going to start and we got you packed for three days. We're going to take you out to the space. We're going to walk the land. And that's literally all the stuff I usually say to folks. I was like, you got to walk the space. You got to be like, you can't talk about a people. You can't write about a people. You can't draw people unless you know who they are. You got to be in that space. Right. Um, indigenous. I'm Pueblo. My family's from Laguna Pueblo. We are Cuecame. We are out here in New Mexico. There, these are my brothers and sisters back east in that space. You know, our, our Lenape relations, our, you know, our Susquehannock relations, the ancestors from, you know, from the folks that are there. But that's not my people. 
So I really think it's important that even as native people, we don't get a pass across all native people, right? Um, you know, you, you, we still have to do the work as well. And so I think partly that commitment from Will's side and from, you know, from, from the library company, from all the people we just saw, the academics, everybody that was there that wanted to bring this project to life, that dedication for me spoke volumes. Because I think, you know, Wishoya was alluding to the fact that we, man, I've, I've consulted on a number of projects and I usually have to be very clear up front. I was like, are you just wanting me to check off on this or do you actually want me to comment mm -hmm. on this? Because if I'm just going to check off on this, I can tell you a yes or no right now. But if you want me to actually work on this, then I can do some work. And and this wasn't a check off. And this was, you know, this wasn't just to check a box to make sure that the project had, a, you know, native backing. This was, you know, this was a deep reflection and commitment. And, and even the first day we walked into the library company and the people around the table, both from Philadelphia, from DC, from New York, my, you know, my, my elder and, you know, uh, Curtis, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, was amazing to see these folks that were in the space. Um, so that to me solidified it. Like once, once I saw sort of that agenda, I was like, oh, this is for real. Um, and that's that first part, that trust, like that's where we, we get into because then it frees up the rest of the space for us to be honest. Then I can be honest in, in what I'm interpreting and how I'm writing because I recognize that Will and, and, and the backers and I've worked in foundational you know, directions for years and as a publisher, et cetera, et cetera. I know that I now have the freedom to write for real. And, and even while talking about it in the video, I think one of the early on things was that we made the decision as a collective that they are not Paxton boys, they're Paxton murderers. These are adults. They're not, they're not aw shucks kiddos. And, and I felt comfortable to be able to put that point forward. And the team, you know, I know Michelle, you and I were already down on that one anyway, but I know that the rest of the team was really, in agreement with being like, no, absolutely. And I didn't have to fight for that. I didn't have to struggle for that, which I may have had to do in a different circumstance. So for me, that was the, the big part of the creativity that trust building then allowed me to, to, to write better. Yeah, I would say um, from day one, that meeting we had in the, the room of the library company kind of blew my mind because <laughs> it was just all these it was a little uncomfortable space for me because you walk in, it's a giant table, you're surrounded by books, you have like Ben Franklin's uh, static electricity machine in the corner and these like old oil paintings. This is really rad, but not necessarily like my space. Um, but then people started coming in and, you know, we had people from Smithsonian, we had people from uh, the library company and we had Curtis. Um, and when we started talking and he, he, uh, I think having him there and what he spoke about because he kind of sensed that okay this is new ground for all of us and um this is a very important project and it's very important to be handled properly so he he was one of the first people to speak i think and um he really laid it down and he said he wanted this story done in a respectful way because and he, he went down and explained you know how it's going to affect non-tribal members, tribal members, how it can be utilized in education. And it it really made me feel good because I'm like, this is why I'm here and this is what 
you know, I anticipate for the project, but to have somebody directly tied into it, lay that out from the get-go, that kind of set our bar. Um, and having the academics and however this book is going to be um, perceived after it's finished, my goal with it was to take what Curtis, you know, said on that first day and hold that as my bar. And if I could achieve something that was at least, you know, in that field and doing my best to, you know, honor the people that didn't have a voice in the situation. Um, that That's really my goal for the project. Um, and I kind of left it in the hands of Will and Lee to work out all the finite details and dates and specific locations and the very historical things. So I know they went back and forth on a lot of stuff with some of the historians that we brought in. Um, and that was really cool for me to see. Um, that they were putting that much time and effort in nailing down very small details just to make sure that we got this right and as right as humanly possible. And also that everybody was open to, um, you know, working with new discoveries. We started looking into archeological um, layouts of buildings and exactly where people were on location um, in the city when this happened. And we realized that, you know, some of the things that were written didn't quite, uh, line up with facts so we had to be um flexible throughout the story um and take those things in because i was getting notes from like will and lee like after i was well into doing the art like oh hey we just discovered this or oh hey a historian just sent us this file um and so uh, you know history is not set in stone as so many people would like to believe it is very fluid and there are new discoveries constantly being made and i think allowing that for this project really, really strengthened it, especially like farther down the line, like um, that everybody on the team was open to that. Um, from the historians, from Will, to Lee's writing, everybody was very open to, you know, making this the best possible project that we could make. Was this the, f the most scholarly or the first kind of scholarly connection that you had made in your life as a impresario? Or have there been other like archival or uh, archival collections, special collections that have come to you with this kind of project before? No, this was the first. We've done some, you know, I've, I've worked with the academy. I've worked with academia. Uh, the first year we had some, you know, academic folks that were coming, but they were putting together like a manuscript, like an indigenous pop culture manuscript more than, you know, like a, a graphic orientation. And, you know, I'd say the work that we did with Dear Woman and with Dr. Elizabeth LaPonce and her work, you know, sort of bridged a little bit around that, but it was much more fiction, definitely Native women oriented. So this truly was, I will say, uh, unqualified, the first, you know, scholarly comic style work that I had been engaged in. Um, so it was, you know, it was really quite a a, a lovely exploration because my PhD is in education. So it was quite a lovely exploration of bringing sort of my academic side and my scholarly side in with my nerd and artistic writing side and, and the creative sides together with my brain was just very, my brain was light on both sides. It was fantastic. In our final panel of the day, I was joined by two individuals who made the digital edition possible. To be frank, the digital edition is how most folks right now are probably experiencing Ghost River. And so I thought it was important to create a space for us to talk about the structure of that edition and the values that animate it. You'll hear first from Anne McShane, Project Digital Asset Librarian at Emory University, and then Nicole Scalessa, 
Head of Digital Scholarship and Technology Services at Vassar College. So both of you have worked on a lot of different digital projects. How is this one different? I mean, for me, my background is as a digital archivist. Um, my my focus in my work is usually on uh, like digital collections, particularly born digital collections, and then digital access systems and reproductions and copyright. Uh, so I, I tend to be on the side of things where the professional standard is to obscure your own role, um, where you're you're supposed to um, sort of like it's the institution's library. You're not really supposed to put your, your name on it per se um, in such a, a straightforward way. So this was a project with a, a lot of different people's names on it and a lot of different opportunities for people to sort of, there were, there were a lot of places on the website particularly where it was like, oh, I can, I can put everyone's names on this. I can say like, hey, I had help with the alt text and that was Katie and she was great. Um, so that's, that's a little different than I think sort of like the, the more traditional library project per se, at least from my end. Yeah, I have to say this was a great segue into my new role uh, at Vassar. So I, we really, as the library company, very rarely um, touches upon a younger audience, uh, especially high school. So to have to think within that audience and that realm and how do we reach and, and make this interesting to high schoolers or undergrad mm -hmm. students was really compelling to me. I really was, that was what made it so fun, I think. It's to think about this in a less academically strict way, but more of a how do we make this interactive and fun and visually enticing and how do we get um, students of a variety, how do we make sure there's equity as far as lots of students can access this, whether online or offline, um, really was a great segue into my role as head of digital scholarship and technology at, at Vassar, because I'm working with this age group now. Um, so that was, that was really great. But are there components of this that you would like to see um, emulated or replicated or that you plan to sort of take and, and repurpose in different ways in your own work today? Well, I think this is a really great case study or jumping off point for future similar projects. Um, I'd love to see more graphic novels online. Um, in the research before I implemented the platform, I really didn't find very many and the ones that I found weren't great. So I would really love for this to be an inspiration to others to make even better uh, resources like this. I, and this was not specifically the digital part of the project, but sort of conceptually, the project as a whole is taking uh, a story that is not captured in written records well, or if it is, it's largely obscured through like white Philadelphian politics of the colonial era. Um, and it's saying, can we imagine this history that we have failed to preserve? Um, because we don't have much in the way of written Conestoga works. We, we don't have that side of the story. Um, so what I want to see going forward is people taking the chance to uh, see where the archival record has failed us now mm -hmm. in storytelling. Um, and challenge it, like bring, bring those perspectives in, tell those stories. Um, 
we, we, if we just say like, oh, it's not there. So too bad. The record's not there. That's, that's really a failure. Um, and the whole, the whole concept of digital storytelling mm -hmm. and this particular um, way of going about it um, was, is just really, it was, it was fun. It's inspiring. And I hope I get to work on a project like this again. We'll close this particular episode with another excerpt from our advisory board panel. I give the last word to Curtis Zuniga, co-director of the Lenape Center and elder from the Delaware Tribe of Indians. This is a story that begins in a place I wouldn't have anticipated and runs right up into the present. And I know that you had a lot of conversations, Curtis, with both Weshoyo and Lee, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the structure of time in the graphic novel. Well, as I was following it, um, it was it, it was like uh, seeing this story develop in real time. I mean, you, you, the book starts out with you know the original story, which I was so privileged to share with uh, Washoyo uh, about the creation story of the Lenape people and others. Uh, that are Eastern Woodlands, Algonquin-speaking people, thus the creation story of the great turtle rising from the waters and the tree of life that springs from its back. The image that she drew after she and I also spent some, some time um, after our gathering in Philadelphia, we spent some time on the internet talking about this story. And uh, the image that she created was so striking so amazing that, um, I mean, I, I put it up on the wall in my office. That's how fantastic it is. Um, and again, with regards to my discussion about time on a linear scale and time as a circle, which is the way a lot of Indian thinking it is because it links the generations so if we, if we are reading this story and realize that it is a true story, then we understand that the sacrifices, the um, atrocities that were committed on our ancestors for holding on to their language, their culture, their land, their ancestral obligations to maintain sovereignty over the place where the creator gave them to live, to live in harmony uh, and spiritual balance with all of life. When that was upset with colonial intrusion, in particular, these damn Paxton boys mm -hmm. and the hatred and the um, racism and the genocidal attitudes that they brought was a tremendous um, stain on the history of the United States of America, but it was part of what was going on in the, in the new United States. But if we look at that and we look throughout history, there is still the same kind of thinking that goes on in current generations. And so we look at how, you know, it comes back and it haunts us in one way or another many of our native people are starting to say, this is an awakening, this whole coronavirus thing and, and the way that earth is, up, is in upheaval uh, 
uh, with climate change and other types of things. Native people uh, and elders uh, and spiritual people are saying, this is a time of reckoning of great change and we must recognize it and look to the lessons of the past in order to forge a place forward. And I think the theme of that was actually part of my opening prayer, which was the fantastic poem by uh, Joy Harjo, that there is redemption after this, but we think about what happened in the past and we bring it back around to start another cycle. And this time we vow to do better to honor the ancestors and their sacrifices and make a place ready for the next generation to come along. That's what I got out of this story. And I read it and I felt it in the content, not only of Lee's writing, but again, the incredible artwork done by Washoi. Looking ahead, Talking to Library will accelerate its production schedule to accommodate weekly fireside chats that we're now hosting on the web. The reason that I want to do this is that not everyone can participate in our set time of 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursdays. And these talks are proving to be quite interesting and worthy of some kind of documentation. Our aspiration is to make them available weekly, but we'll see how we do. Thank you for your patience, and we hope you enjoy them. See you next week. Bye-bye.